Hi there, welcome to episode five of This Is Lit, a podcast where we'll be discussing all things literature. My name is Emily and joining me today is Prue Baker. How are you going, Prue? Not too bad. How are you, Emily? I'm well, thank you. And Sean Clark. Hello, Sean. Hello. <laughs> Keeping up with the theme of the ridiculous introduction. I like yes, it. Yes, yes. Yeah. So I feel like people enjoy this, so, you know, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Got to give the fans what they want, I guess. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I am the talent after all. <clears throat> yeah, okay. <laughs> sure, yeah. Uh, moving on. Let's continue. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so, yeah, I guess if you've tuned into our last few episodes, you'll have heard us discussing The Longest Memory by Fred D. Aguirre and The Seven Stages of Grieving by Wesley Enoch and Deborah Malman. Um, today is going to be our final episode, which focuses solely on The Seven Stages of Grieving. Um, as of next week, we're going to be giving you um, a bit of comparison of the two texts. But, yeah, before we do that, um, we're going to be delving into themes from The Seven Stages of Grieving today. So, yeah, over to you, Prue. All right, so I'm going to talk about um, the themes of power, powerlessness, memory, and trauma. So in terms of power and powerlessness, um, so throughout the play, I think there's this kind of struggle for power. Um, So the woman and therefore like the Indigenous communities struggle to maintain uh, sort of any semblance of their cultural heritage or any power and, you know, in in having a voice um, in, in in the Australian community. Um, and that is continued or continuing to be denied to them by white oppressors. So the fact that, you know, it started um, with white settlement um, and is still being continued today um, in modern Australia. Um, so throughout the play we're given or told all these stories, the characters' powerlessness um, at the hands of these colonisers, so in terms of, like, discrimination, violence or oppression. Um, And we see these results of this powerlessness in modern Australia. Um, But I think that, though, on the flip side of that, we do see some sort of glimpses of power um, throughout the play, and I'm not going to go too much into that now because we're going to discuss that later in the episode. Um, Moving on, so uh, really quickly we'll go over just that memory and trauma as well. So once again, just like... um, the longest memory, we see this idea of generational trauma, so the trauma um, that's significant enough that it can be felt or reverberated for generations, so affecting people's descendants, um, even ones that, like, you know, um, they haven't met their ancestors, so they haven't met, um, but they still are feeling this kind of um, the results or the effect of this trauma that happened um, generations ago. Um, and the play is very reflective, so there's lots of um, that memory kind of aspect to it where she's reflecting on events um, that have happened to her or scenes that she's been involved in. Um, so, for, like, for example, her grandmother's funeral, um, the, the march, the bridge walk, um, her brother's story um, and her own stories of discrimination and prejudice um, that are a result of her being um, Indigenous um yeah so that was just a really quick quick little summary Sean I'll pass it over to you sick all right um uh so I will be talking about discrimination and like the feeling of belonging obviously uh this is a huge theme within seven stages seven stages of grieving um whenever I think about discrimination to do with this story and all of these stories that this play sort of delves into uh is the story of Daniel York and how he 
York? I feel like I'm not saying that correctly. I think it's, York. it's just York. Like, York. 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 Yeah, my bad. Um, it's York. Yeah, Daniel York, sorry. Um, and how he obviously experienced that discrimination at the hands of uh, all of these, you know, Australian police force um, people and all of the discrimination that obviously uh, all the seven phases of Aboriginal history, like, goes through and the fact that, you know, it's just so it's so awful, um, you know, hearing all these stories because, as I said before, I think in our first episode when we were doing um, seven stages of grieving that I was like, oh, you know, it's really quite sad because, you know, I am an Australian um, but unfortunately, I think my education uh, is very limited uh, about these sorts of topics. And I don't know, today I was just kind of thinking about the play as a whole and the text as a whole and thinking about, you know, the themes of discrimination, belonging and healing. Um, and I think I remember I've read something in a, like last couple of weeks or something and um, this play was like described as like a patchwork quilt essentially and so what it's meaning is that it's kind of all of these stories like intertwined like together um to form kind of and it's just so interesting because like I remember reading reviews about this play um and how originally the Australian public hated it originally like back in the 90s early 2000s they hated it and only now is it becoming sort of popular and kind of revered and stuff like that um, and I think it's because Australians, like the Australian public as a whole, have realised that to be able to help the Aboriginals and, and have the Aboriginal population, Indigenous, Indigenous population heal from this sort of stuff, um, we have to be able to uh, think about what was the most, you know, t- like the most terrible things that they have experienced and seeing this seeing and witnessing all these terrible things and witnessing this grief is like a very necessary first step um, before, you know, we start to heal our country's like, you know, deeply racial, you know, driven wounds, which I thought was really interesting as well. Um, And so when I think about it in that sort of uh, light, I kind of feel like when you're thinking about themes of like discrimination and healing and all that sort of stuff, even when you have, um, you know, the, the scenes where, you know, you've got the, uh, I think the white colonials and I think, I think uh, the woman saying like, Oh, Hey, you it, get out of here. Like this isn't your land or this isn't your, um, the uh, harbor you're taking up. Yeah. 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 I loved it. Um, mm. And so it was really interesting because you could also say that the fact that, um, that tiny, tiny little, you know, episodic scene is also a theme, like has the theme of healing because it is that um, really, really uh, necessary first step of encountering this sort of like discrimination and then healing from it. Does that make sense what I'm saying, mm-hmm. guys? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, I feel like they kind of want to go back and like maybe change it or like that's how they want to act in a way. I don't know. Yeah. That's how yeah. it like, Yeah. And I just, um, yeah, just, yeah, the spatial setting and the, t- and the temporal setting, like the timing of this is just immense. It goes over hundreds of years. Um, and yeah, when we think about themes and stuff like that, I just can't shy away from the fact that, yeah, like grieving and discrimination and belonging and healing and all that sort of stuff, it's literally in all of the scenes. And I just, yeah, and it, like you just have to think of it like a slightly different way. And then that, that's when you're just kind of like, oh, yeah, no, I understand now. Like, that makes sense. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I found it very cathartic as well. Like, has lots of cathartic um, power to the play as well, which, again, is obviously quite healing in itself. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Anyway, that's cool. all I have. <laughs> um, I think that's what you were just talking about at the end, like, 
uh, lends into our first focus question for today really quite well. Um, well, I'm great, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> so our... that's, what the, that's what the listeners want. They just want you to shit on all over everything that I say. <laughs> Maybe. Um, anyway. Um, yeah, so our first question for today is a question from Prue. Um, and it is, do you think remembering her past trauma and the trauma of her people is always painful for the woman? Okay, so Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so it was funny, like, when I first read this question, I wanted to be like, oh, not always. Like, surely there's some good that she can recall from, like, her past and stuff. But, like, the only – I went back through the play and I think the only, like, positive moment she refers to is at the funeral where she refers <gasps> yes. to the joy of being at the funeral and how that's sometimes mm. enough to briefly forget why they're there. Mm. Um, but apart from that, which, you know, isn't even really something positive, like the fact that she's with all of her, um, like, family and community and stuff because her grandmother has died, like, that's still pretty horrible. Mm. Um, aside from that, everything else is just really quite traumatic. Um, and, yeah, yeah, there's nothing... Um, Nothing positive, I suppose, about what she like the events that she's sharing with us, which I guess is kind of the point of the play. It's not really it was kind of written, I guess, to like share obviously the painful experiences that indigenous people have gone through and everything. Um, so yeah, if we look at that purpose, it yeah, it would kind of be silly for them to be talking about how things oh no, things weren't that bad or like yes, yeah, so I don't mm. know. Mm. What did you guys think? Uh, yeah, um, I, yeah, I agree. Sorry, Prue. Um, I just think no, the whole, I, <laughs> I just think the whole thing. Like, do you think remembering her past trauma and the trauma of the of people is always painful? I reckon it, it always will be painful for her because I think, like, again, it's like that whole healing. I think, like, to be able to, um, yeah, it's. Uh, I just ha- I have no words. Like, apart from like, yes, I think it is. Surely, like, wouldn't mm. wouldn't it be traumatic for you if this all happened? To you and your people, like I think that the one like silver well not it's not even a silver lining. <laughs> it's not at all. <laughs> um, I think the only maybe like positive thing we can say about this is that like sharing her grief makes it easier to carry, I suppose. So like even though oh. the memories themselves are painful, sharing them kind of eases the pain that she's experiencing. Yeah. Yeah. It was like that um mm-hmm. metaphor that I <coughs> described, I think was it last week or something, how like grief kind of gets easier over time. Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah, with the, yeah. With the necklace. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, yeah. I remember. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Prue. I always knew you were my favourite. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> the bell um, is on. Yeah. All right, so where I was getting at with this question is that I think, like, it's, um, you know, it's, it's no... Uh, uh, it's not a secret that, like, you know, her trauma and it would be obviously al- always painful to remember trauma, but I think that, like, a lot of the times and the scene, especially, like, with the suitcase, um, that is, like, reflective. Like, the suitcase is kind of symbolic of of that mem- of memories. Um, mm. So sometimes, like, um, I think we can think about this in terms of ourselves as well. Like, mm. Memories can um, hold joy and pain at the same time. Um, mm. So, like a memory, and it can be even the same thing. So, like you're, you can you can um, remember a memory or have a memory of like something 
that was even a happy event. So it could be like this memory is a connection um, for her and it's a connection to her ancestors um, and memory is what is important in terms of like Indigenous history. Um, But then it also is that pain um, of because it's a reminder of her suffering and um, the experience or the the, the suffering that um, she and um, the Indigenous community have experienced. Um, So I think like throughout the play she's trying to figure out like um or like with her suitcase um unpacking it and then repacking it she's Mm. trying to decide like Mm. what's important um like these memories of her ancestors because she has these memories of her ancestors but they're painful memories but she can't she doesn't want to get rid of those memories because that's her memory that's her connection yeah that's her connection to um her past and her traditions and her heritage and all this stuff but she wants to be free of this suffering but that would have to give up then she would have to give up these painful memories Mm. um yeah so I think there's like this constant like she doesn't know what she wants um and she's got to try and figure it out and I guess that is a process of of healing as well um Mm. Yeah, so, like, I guess, like, the suitcase symbolic of, like, the joy and the pain of memory, um, you know, the photographs of the dead, um, like, she keeps in there, which is, like, partly painful and also I think, you know, it's also looking at a a photograph of a loved one can be joyful as well. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But at the same time painful if they've passed. Mm. Um, Yeah, so... That's I think that's what I'm trying to I'm going to get out as well I guess like um, obviously all of her trauma would be painful maybe I'm trying to go with is all of her memories or are all of her memories mm. maybe that was the question I should have asked yeah mm. cool. no, um, okay. thoughts feelings no I agree I agree with you yeah. <laughs> No, absolutely. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, yeah, I never, I kind of, it's very interesting to think about it, I suppose, because I kind of never, it never occurred to me that I was like, because oh, I'm always such like a, I'm always like a black and white person. I'm like, yep, it's either, yep, total yes or absolute no. Like with me, there's just very little gray mm-hmm. area. Um, but ever since you said that thing about the um, the suitcase and the photographs and how, yes, it, it can be painful to um, look at somebody and remember them, but it also can be joyful. I've never looked at it that way. So thank you. That's okay. Appreciate it. Appreciate <laughs> it. I appreciate help. you. <laughs> there is another reason why Prue is Sean's favourite. Yeah, absolutely. Right. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> cool. So um, our next question today is Sean's question, and this question is, is the Australian problem the fact that we have not been allowing ourselves much emotion for the Aboriginal story? Does it all just kind of get swept under the rug? Mm. Um, (laughs) I would have to agree with this one straight off the bat Um, Mm, I think like thinking about my own education like obviously you know I think around like grade five or six we learn all about like the first fleet Um, I think I'm pretty sure I learned something about the stolen generation I don't know when though but that's obviously something I'd heard about but I think the issue is it's like yeah you hear about all these events from history but they don't really um they don't really talk about how, like, Indigenous people of today are still affected by them. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I think that's what's kind of that, missing. Mm. Yeah, that extensive discussion of, like, 
well, you can talk about these past events and that's all well and good, but there's like you need to link this history to modern times or else people yeah. just don't, they just like they cut themselves off. Like they're just like, well, that's great, you know, that this happened, but that's nothing to do with me. Yeah, um, and like, and I yeah. think too because like you hear people being like, oh, well, yeah, okay, like the first fleet happened in seven <laughs> – 1788 1778 yeah 1770 was James um anyway sorry um like you hear about it that yeah obviously that happened hundreds of years ago so I think for some people it's kind of like oh but you know the people of today indigenous people of today weren't even alive back then so like Mm. how how does that affect them now when they they didn't live through that so I think it's more kind of like it needs to kind of be taught more that like yeah, the traumas that have affected, like, people from the past, like, can still have a flow-on effect mm. now. Like, just because you weren't alive at the time doesn't mean that, like, you're, um, yeah, you're not going to be affected by it, I suppose. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It's taught in isolation. Or it yeah. was taught in isolation. Hopefully yeah. it's changed mm. a bit now. Yeah. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. The importance of – now we're just spruiking history. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yep. <laughs> God. <laughs> um yeah when I sort of was thinking about this question I yeah I always kind of have to go back to the fact that I just never got really taught about this sort of stuff and then I remember going through like my my school stuff um like my primary school stuff like a couple of years ago and I literally did this was this is like again we have to remember I was probably like 10 years old or something um and I literally did uh, a project in grade five or grade six or whatever um and it was like oh um heroes of Australia and it was Captain James Cook and I was just like oh my god I was just like holy shit um and I remember looking at this knowing obviously what I do know now and there wouldn't there wouldn't be a chance in hell that I would be like, oh my god! Like, let's do Captain James Hook is like, oh, he's an Australian hero. No, he's not a hero. Mm. <laughs> um, I remember, I remember doing a, an assignment in primary school of like everyone had an explorer. Mm. Um, so I can't even remember mine, but I remember the other people's. <laughs> um, and it was like Burke and Wills. Mine was John. Someone. Anyway, we all had like an explorer we had to study. Yeah. Um, into a presentation on yeah and I don't know I'm just anyway as I was thinking about this question I just uh like having that as my you know grade five hero you know poster (laughs) I'm like that is just Mm. I'm just like of course this is all swept under the rug like oh Mm. my Mm. god it's just it kind of almost makes me sick because Mm. like obviously knowing what I know now and then um, when I remember I was delivering the lesson about um, phases of Aboriginal history to my year 12s and they were just like, oh, my God, Miss Clark, I had no idea. And I'm just like they, they like they had some idea about the stolen generation, but, like, that was it really. They didn't really have any idea about assimilation and how they used to, you know, obviously use these very derogatory terms as um, to the mm. Aboriginal uh, or Indigenous population, sorry, like as half-caste and quarter-caste and, mm. or quadrant mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, it was just awful. But, yeah, yeah I reckon, yeah, there's, there's, I don't know, I feel like <clears throat> when people think about Indigenous and Aboriginal struggles, um, I feel like people automatically just go, yep, so I don't really like uh, uh, identify with that. So oh, I just, uh, that's not, I'm not, I won't care about that or I'm not going to mm. give that too much thought. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and I, yeah, actually, I think, 
Oh, sorry. Oh. Uh, just quickly, <laughs> no. even thinking back to like um, in grade five or six when I was learning about like the first fleet sort of stuff, I've mm. just recalled the, the novel we studied, right, it was mm. like about a convict boy who came to Australia. So it's, it wasn't anything about the perspective of like Indigenous Australians. It was more like about convicts coming to Australia and what their experience was like, like on the boats yeah, and stuff. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> like it's laughable. Like, mm. but also yeah. it, like part of it is just like, oh, I feel sick. Like I just, how do they, oh, I just, I don't know. I just, ugh. Mm. How do they, mm. Oh, as a state, as a public teacher, I'm just kind of like, well, I just don't know how they, like, the government really got away with this, to be honest, mm. like how they have um, uh, squashed all of this information. But I suppose it's all starting to come out now or has been coming out now over the past few years. But mm. yeah. still got a long way to because go, though, I think. I think, yeah, oh, it requires a lot of people um, to self-reflect on their own behaviour and, like, question their own ethics and morality um and like I think like you know if we then take like it also we need to take responsibility and I feel like people don't want to take responsibility because they feel like they didn't actually because they didn't actually arrive on the boat Mm. like Mm. on the first fleet then it's not their problem um or it's someone else's problem um you know because then it's like they feel guilty or um you know but like so people don't want to feel guilt and they don't want to feel embarrassed um about you know their role or like well yeah I think they're denying their role Mm, we are denying our role but like yeah um I think that's why people if we're like looking at like why people don't take aren't like are sweeping it under the rug I think that's it's kind of like like similar like not similar issues but like other issues that make us like reflect on ourselves and be like "Mm, I don't like what your opinion is because then it makes me feel bad about myself you know Mm. (laughs) I can't grow (laughs) as a person (laughs) I refuse to yeah um good point why okay no I agree with what you said Mm. um Cool. Moving on to our next question. This is my question for today's episode. And, yeah, I wanted to know, are there any characters within the play that do have power? If so, what kind of power do they have? Um, well, I think the grandmother had um, power. She has power within her own community because she's very respected. Um, she has power because she holds the knowledge of the past and connection mm. with the ancestors. Um, and her photo, even when I read that um, scene again um, of her funeral, um, her photo was on a very commanding position on the wall. So I feel like mm. that kind of connotes, you know, or shows um, her power that she had um, mm. um, in her community. Yeah. Mm, um, cool. I also would think that the woman has some sort of power um, merely just because she's given a voice yeah um, that was my point too yeah um yeah, yeah <laughs> we see her I mean we don't see her thoughts. we hear her thoughts emotions um told about her experiences um and I feel like she takes back um some of the power she might have lost from you know at the hands of like um through discrimination and prejudice so um some of those little elements of like humor um mm. I think is her way to like get back some of the power that she's lost, um, you know, in like um, 
the scene where she's buying a dress, Murray gets a dress, mm. um, and she's also then I think that power is connected to her identity um, and so she's, you know, rebuilding her, her own pride um, in her Aboriginal identity. Mm. Um, yeah, despite experiencing you know, obviously, racism, yeah. discrimination, discrimination, injustice. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, so I feel like the the uh, most, I don't know, I kind of, I thought I w- whenever I think of power with this text, I always think about it really collectively, um, not as like one or two characters. So the, obviously what Prue said about obviously the woman um, having power, you know, telling these stories, um, <clears throat> being really obviously the Aboriginal uh, viewpoint, um, and you know, sharing these stories and stuff like that. But then, obviously, as was, as I was sort of looking through the play, um, the other people that have the most power that's uh, displayed within the show is obviously the scene where they're marching and they're and they're marching mm. to mm. protest these deaths in custody. And I feel like this is a really big part in the show that shows that Indigenous um, Aboriginals. Uh, Aboriginal Australians um, can have, you know, an opportunity to unite and, and stand against, like, this in- injustice. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, even totally. Though, yeah. Even though um, the protest, obviously, like, it, it's, like, I think the they, they call it, you know, like, oh, it's, it's a terrible protest and mm, oh, it was violent, violent and defiant and everything, but really it was mm-hmm. like it wasn't really that at all. Mm. Um, yep. But, yeah, I, I found that really powerful as well. And then obviously, you know, the woman, the Aboriginal woman, um, exclaims that, you know, oh, we've been fighting for years and, you know, I guess we can't go back now and all that sort of stuff. Um, so, yeah, just mm. I found that really interesting. And then because <clears throat> I'm a weirdo, I also thought about the opposite of this question, which is like who is powerless? Um, and I feel like it was <laughs> it was really interesting um, to talk about uh, Auntie Grace because her option, um, she fled and left. And, yeah, yeah, I just found that really – I found that really interesting as well because obviously Auntie Grace – um, wasn't as determined, wasn't as willing as obviously the woman or the grandmother and all the other Aboriginal um, characters within the show and, you know, in our lives, obviously, um, to stay and kind of fight for this. And, yeah, I just I found that really interesting as well because, yeah, Auntie Grace, she just fled. Um, so, yeah, and she, she pays the ultimate price for that as well because she loses her family and she also loses her identity and culture. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Sorry, I just, yeah, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's an interesting point because I didn't, I don't know, like, with her because she, like, obviously she did leave her family and everything behind. I didn't really look at that as, like, fleeing, though. I was kind of just like, oh, yep, she, like, met a guy, you know, moved overseas. Like, I didn't really look at it as her, like, t- deliberately trying to, like, flee the situation. But, yeah. Uh, it's an I, interesting perspective. Yeah, I don't know. I think I'm weird because, like, I don't know. <laughs> if you go off and marry somebody, I feel like if you want to maintain like a, a some form of relationship with your mm. family um you would you wouldn't go like I think it was like 50 years or something that yeah, she hadn't yeah. been back so she had it's it, I, I don't know as soon as mm. I sort of read that she hadn't been around for 50 years I'm like oh well then you know she fled she fled yeah. that that discrimination and she fled you know those terrible um Conditions and I don't blame her. I'm just, yeah, I don't know. I just, mm. yeah, she's all quite the powerless. painful memories. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I thought she abandoned her family. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And that's another reason why I is my favourite, Emily. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And some brownies <laughs> Don't put me in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say something nice to Sean. Try and make her sound like she taught me something, but whatever. What? Anyway, moving on to our final question for today. Um, This was a really interesting one. I had to actually really think about this one, and that is (laughs) (laughs) where would you place this text, fiction or nonfiction? You go first, Mm. Emily. (laughs) <laughs> um so I ended up arriving at it being somewhere in between yeah so like yeah I don't think it fully Very fits diplomatic. into either category <laughs> mm-hmm. um I actually read somewhere that like Enoch had termed it being faction so like yeah. fact and fiction like a yes. bit of a mix of both um and yeah I guess like we can't say that it's purely non-fiction because like it's not not really autobiographical in terms of like you know the woman's experiences like it's a collection of personal experiences from other people that they've kind mm. of like mm. yeah that they're expressing like through that one woman so like it's all based on events and concepts that are fact but like the way they're expressed I suppose makes it fiction yeah I don't know what did you guys think yeah yeah I thought the, exactly uh, the same thing mm. yeah same um yeah I think I I put this question in like I was like because I just felt like everything we talk about um it's just so um relevant to people's lives um so like you know we're trying really hard to be um uh thoughtful and sensitive and stuff um when we talk about stuff so it's like probably more so than like we would if we were reading a fiction like an entirely fictional book if that makes sense Mm, true possibly um yeah so I that's why I was like oh it just feels and you know there's obvious elements of non-fiction in there like um I don't know if it's actually non-fiction like the the report um but the story of Daniel Yock um being non-fiction like that was an actual Mm -hmm. event that happened and the marches the um the march and the bridge walk um are all based off true events and I also read somewhere that um I know where I read it. It was on the website just before I read it. Um, and <laughs> what am I giving? Um, and Knox, grandmother, um, he that uh, she died in 1993, so just before he wrote the play. So I feel like you know he had that. Now I kind of see that connection with the grandmother's death and funeral in the play. Like he, um, that is a personal memory or um, experience that he had mm-hmm. um and then on that same website actually uh, it says um in the sydney 2014 performance an old auntie aboriginal auntie um who the cast didn't know she went up on stage yes, and she put her hands it. around i knew you would have read it john so yeah. i just, like, got in first um and i was gonna talk about it in the question before and i was like nah better not <laughs> keep going keep going it's so yeah. powerful it's so powerful I know um so she put her hands around Deborah Malman um who obviously would have been performing as the woman um in that um performance um and she sobbed for a whole minute um and like that because somebody at last had borne witness to her life oh, so like just so oh yeah. I just got shivers like yeah, yeah like these like like it's these experiences are just so like people have it's so re- real Mm. Um, it's so relevant. Mm. So it kind of feels like nonfiction sometimes. I think mm. like 
Yeah. It felt it felt more like aside from obviously all the, the you know the play imagery and the symbolism and stuff. Um it felt more non-fiction to me than fiction um because it's almost like I was reading like diary entries or like mm. I was listening to somebody's like oral history story like just you know like these tapes being played out. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 It just yeah, just I don't know, to me it felt like non-fiction. I just I just felt obviously extremely real and yeah Prue when I read that um <clears throat> that that uh I think it was a play uh review sorry <laughs> um yeah it was very powerful very very powerful I guess that brings us to our end segment for the day um Prue is actually going to be hosting a game <laughs> of quote bingo so Prue would you like to explain how this is going to work for us uh yes um all right so I feel like I may have partly made this up or I could not have <laughs> and I'm not sure so don't call me out on this please um so basically it's like yeah theme quote bingo um where um the players are so hopefully you've already chosen your themes guys so you're supposed to choose three out of the six themes um of power powerlessness Memory, brief trauma, discrimination, identity, belonging, and healing. Glorious. Um, yeah. Have you got do we your have three to tell themes? You, do we have to tell you our three themes? Uh, no, you don't. Okay. Yeah, okay. I've got my three. Me too. But then okay. what if me and Emily have the same themes? <laughs> well, then, <laughs> then you have to be the first to saying bingo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Okay. Okay. Um, Is it? Yeah. <laughs> all right. So then I'm going to read out quotes. And you need to match the quote. So you can just do that in silence. Um, okay. You can match the quote to the theme. And then when you have identified themes, um, all the quotes for your chosen themes, that's when you yell bingo. All right. And then we have to, whoever yells bingo the first, then we get to go through and you have to say which themes you had and which quotes were relevant to that theme. Okay. All right. <laughs> Does that I make sense? Yeah, yeah, no, it makes sense. I, I think I'm just worried about I might not remember, like, the whole quote. <laughs> no, you can just, like, summarise. It's fine. Okay. Um, okay. So Are we, first one. Wait, wait, wait. Can I quote Kath and Kim before we, can, before we move on? If you need to. What is yep. it? All right, go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Emily, I just want to say game on, Mole. All right, go. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, number one, my children, my children stolen away to a safe place were wrenched from familiar arms and forced to feed upon another tongue. I realise some of these quotes may have like overlapped with uh, like multiple themes, so okay. whatever, we'll figure cool. it out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when you make up your own games. All right, number two, <laughs> uh, you get a lot of attention, special treatment when you're black. All right, number three, I'm still black and deadly. Oh, I think bingo. Right. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so the first one about uh, children being taken away from their families, I've linked that one to grief or trauma because that would obviously be very traumatic. 
Yes. Uh, yes. yes. <laughs> Got it from powerlessness. <laughs> yes, Aww. thank you. That was mine. That was mine. I think powerlessness. I was like, yes. It, it fits though, right? I can still use it. Nah, it fits. It fits. Yeah. It fits. Um, yeah. We can't say that's not traumatic. Okay, go. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, the second one, the second, oh, well, can you read out the second one again? I forgot what it was. Uh, you get a lot of attention, special treatment when you're black. Yeah, so that one I had for discrimination. Yeah. Yeah, pretty on. self-explanatory. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then the final <laughs> one um, I had for identity and it been belonging. Oh, yeah, good. That works yeah. better with what I had. I had power. <laughs> <laughs> I like that better with identity. <laughs> 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 I won, Sean. Oh, damn you. It's because I was rude to you and quoted um, Catherine Kim. <laughs> yeah, you quoted upon yourself. I really did. I really did. Oh, well, I had 12 quotes. Anyway. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, like how, I like how Prue probably spent hours like figuring this out and then within 30 seconds we're like, okay, we're done. Like, kids? Like, yep. <laughs> right, yeah, I know. <laughs> Can you, you plan read? a lesson? Do you want to? <laughs> Yeah, when you plan a lesson and none of it works. Do you want to read the rest and then we'll debate on um, what theme? All right, I'll, I'll do. I'll, okay. Um, all right. Uh, these are my stories. These are my people's stories. They need to be told. Obviously power. And healing? Yeah, I had healing. That's okay. Oh, <laughs> Damn it. It's not, it's not like a one answer. It's not, yeah, anyway. Every time I get it wrong, I'm like, going to be like, ha ha, I win. <laughs> keep going, keep going. Um, all right. I think this one's fairly um, obvious, hopefully. Um, sometimes I find myself crying in, in the dark alone. The pain comes in and I cry and cry until I can't feel anymore. Grief, trauma. Grief, I think grief. Yeah. Yes. Grief, yeah. Yeah. All right, what, one more, one more, one more. Okay, one more. <laughs> um, another washed his face in my blood. To d- together they chained my feet. Oh, powerlessness? Yeah, yeah I've had powerlessness. So good. <laughs> Prue actually shared the quotes with me in advance, so that's why I won. <laughs> 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 Just kidding. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> I'm like playing you off against each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Fight for my approval. Um. <laughs> cool. Well, that wraps up episode five. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Uh, next week, we are going to begin comparing the seven stages of grieving with the longest memory. And I think we're going to start off by comparing some of the characters. So you have that to look forward to next week. Um, Yeah. See you all next week. Bye. See you. Bye. Bye. Bye.